Hey, Kay here, and welcome to the 32nd episode of the Language of Myself podcast. Today we will be discussing what it means to be truly alive, or to merely exist, and humanity's immortality project. So without further ado, let's begin. The question last episode was, would you rather live for 5 years and be truly alive, or live for 50 merely existing? I'm going to be honest with you, the mere thought of this question has been tough. To comprehend whether I am truly alive or merely existing, or whether I have ever been alive in my lifetime. It brought me to despair. I just wanted to erase it, to not answer it, and instead make up a new question. For several days I procrastinated, felt existential dread and despair, even going so far as to say there's no meaning in the world, so why even bother continuing? I was tempted to just nuke the entire podcast, so that I'd never had to answer that question. Now, enough with the melodrama. It's very dangerous to exist in such a state for too long. Thoughts turn into escaping reality permanently. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to merely exist? When I was working, life repeated itself endlessly. Life became routine. What little time I had after work was spent watching YouTube or playing games. I felt joy when it was the weekends, felt dread when encountering pain and the ass problems. If my consciousness was switched with somebody else and I were to disappear, would anything change? Nay, that cycle would repeat ad infinitum. So whether or not I, the great K, vanished, a man with all his unique thoughts and existence mattered not. To me, to merely exist is like being a robot. You follow the same actions every day, content with your little routine. Whether someone replaces you makes little difference. This condition can describe nearly 90% of humanity. Kierkegaard called this philicism, being content with the mundane routine society gave them. Even after I cease work, life gradually repeated itself again, except this time I write or program, go for a run and walk, read hacker news and call it, watch YouTube, play games, and then read a book before bed. Oh the irony, I left work to discover what it meant to be alive, yet follow a similar routine all the same. What does it mean to be alive? When I went bungee jumping, just before the jump, my heart was racing, my brain was screaming to me, you stupid, don't do this idiot. As the countdown approached zero, despite my hesitation, I leapt off the ledge anyway. During the freefall, nothing in the world mattered anymore. It was pure exhilaration. It was as if I and the universe were merged together. For the briefest moment, I existed in the most absolute state. Robert Greene described this as a state of hyper-reality, and how all people try to achieve this. Psychologists call it the state of flow, where you tackle problems that aren't too easy nor too hard. In this state, Time whizzes by. I'm sure you experienced it once in your life, when in some occasions, time passes by so infinitely slowly, whilst other moments, hours pass, but it feels like minutes. To achieve a state of hyperreality is no easy feat. It's not like you can go skydiving every other day. Since flow is where problems are neither too easy nor too hard, as soon as you get used to problems, you'll have to up the difficulty. However, most things work in an S-curve fashion, where the start is incredibly difficult. The middle is where you feel constant achievement and progress, and the end is where each incremental improvement takes an extraordinary amount of time and effort. To increase train speeds beyond 300 kilometers per hour takes several years. It took a French company 10 years of development to achieve this. Personally, I listen to the same music to put me in a state of trance, which quasi-hypnotizes myself into a state of flow. It's not the safest option. It puts me on the edge of order and chaos, to the very brink of insanity. All it'll take is one little push to drop me into a world of insanity. However, it's worth the risk. People like me aren't smart, talented, nor have innate skills. 
Only by risking it all can I shape my own destiny and live a life of my choosing. Only by putting everything on the line can I think beyond the crowd. I'd rather live for five years and be truly alive instead of merely existing for 50. When I did the Carl Jung persona test, my inner self came out as a hero, someone who yearns and searches for the deeper meaning in life. Except the inverse is also true, where I'd destroy myself if my life had no meaning, no purpose, no reason. Thus, merely existing for 50 years would be endless torture. I'd be living in a constant state of misery without anything to make my suffering worth the sacrifice. Five years isn't a long time. The tragedy of choosing to live alive for five years is that you'll desperately want to live longer, for life is so full of reason and purpose. I wonder how I'd go in the end. A quiet whimper or a desperate rage against death? In the face of your impending doom, how would you cope? I think my death would be an ugly one. I'd desperately search for a way to live, even if it's just a second longer. Society is humanity's immortality project. Ernest Becker in the Nanal of Death. Recently, my ceiling collapsed in front of my eyes and I couldn't help but ponder about the fragility of human existence. As I lay in bed that night, staring at my ceiling, I wonder if it would collapse upon me, thus end my life without a rage nor a whimper. The strange thing was that it wasn't death that I feared, but rather it was the anticipation of death. What came before and after death kept me up. If the ceiling did crush me, Would I be content with dying that day? In today's world, money is equivalent to immortality, for it lasts longer than your lifetime. Traditional structures like religion has fallen out of favour as science cracked holes in their teaching and corruption eroded the trust in churches. Heroism is another vessel for immortality, as heroes, the ones that can face death head on, the ones with the courage we don't have, are worshipped and adored for it. However, the modern world no longer needs heroes. Modern society has annihilated the value of each individual, where everyone is powerless to change anything. That's why RPG games are so popular, because you matter to the world. The heroes we worship today are completely different from the days of the old. We worship celebrities, YouTubers and Twitch streamers, increasingly Instagram and TikTok stars. The old virtues of courage, being able to face the unknown head-on and self-sacrifice are all forgotten. Today's heroes are either filthy rich, or extremely famous, usually both. Look no further than Frozen, the Disney animation, to see the decadence of heroes. In comparison to real fairy tales that have immense moral lessons, Frozen is psychologically the worst one out there. Let me say this before I begin. Frozen is an enjoyable movie and I liked it. I just wouldn't want any children imitating Elsa. Now doesn't this sound strange? She's a powerful, independent woman with magical ice powers. Hashtag girl boss, as the modern knights go. In the beginning of the movie, Elsa, the ice mage, hurt her sister, Anna, with ice magic. So what's the most logical thing to do when you hurt someone and you can continue hurting them? Lock yourself in your room for 10 bloody years, according to the movie. If you let a problem fester, it will always become a bigger problem and then blow up in your face. That's exactly what happened at her public queening ceremony when she accidentally used her ice powers. So now that problem that you knew would blow up in your face, well, blew up in your face. What's the most logical action now? Maybe actually deal with it so it doesn't become an ultra-sized problem? Nope. According to the movie, you should run away even harder. Despite how psychologically terrible this movie is, it made bank. Little girls everywhere worshipped Elsa 
They dressed up as her. They wanted to be her. The girl who ran away from her problems. Her shadow. And made everything ten times worse than it had to be. That's the sad state of our modern heroes. Now Disney could make great moral stories. But why would you when Frozen made so much money? It's extremely difficult to make a good story. So why bother when terrible stories get rewarded infinitely more? Most Western immortality projects give salvation through external entities like Jesus or peers acknowledging your wealth and status. Although no man is an island, it's tragic how our self-worth, our meaning of life is so dependent on external circumstances. Even creative artists are dependent on others recognizing the value of their work. Shakespeare wouldn't be immortal if people didn't continue to enjoy his works. Hardly anyone read Nietzsche whilst he was alive. If you didn't listen to my podcast, if you didn't read my blog at langsoul.com, were my thoughts really valuable? In fact, did they even exist in the first place? Is this truly the best life we can live? Where others can decide our emotional state on a whim? In the last episode, I mounted working for others as slavery, as your happiness and anguish can be decided from a pay rise, promotion, or whether you get demoted or fired. I would not describe that as a good life. But are there any other options? Man lives in a hierarchy, and that's a biological fact. Any attempt to destroy the hierarchy, like communism, ends in tragedy and chaos until a new, more despotic hierarchy emerges. To toss away status just isn't possible. Steven Pinker wrote about how men with only a single definition of status are more likely to use violence to maintain their position. Although we can't discard status, we can decide to redefine it from external options to internal choices. Most people introduce themselves with their job title and workplace. This is what defines them and their self-worth. Have you noticed how many YouTubers use job title reacts to? Like lawyer, engineer, reacts to X. Instead of introducing yourself with a job title, I propose introducing yourself as who you internally define yourself to be. To purposely choose who you will become compared to being defined by your circumstances totally outside your control. For instance, I'll introduce myself as the philosopher coder, much like how Marcus Aurelius was the philosopher king. In my day-to-day -day life, I tend to ponder about the world. The coda aspect is because I create problems for my own personal amusement, to see my thoughts create a new reality. See langsoul.com, the blog I made, for links to projects I've created. Thus, that's how I define myself. The corner of internal status is how others, who focus on external status, will snub you. People would purposely cut the conversation short to chat with others on the same level as them. Fair enough. However, this is actually a benefit, because it will automatically filter out people that don't have a similar mindset to you. Anyone who continues the conversation, in spite of your indifference to hedonic statuses, would be a like-minded fellow, a truth seeker, a soul seeker. Regarding immortality, it doesn't seem possible to be immortal whilst rejecting the outside world. Kierkegaard wrote about taking a leap of faith to believe in a cosmic entity, a god. Nietzsche discussed finding our own values and living with them. Carl Jung rejected that notion because, whether we like it or not, we're raised with all sorts of embedded values already. Jung advocated for self-individualization, to fully become oneself, except this is no easy task. Nor does it solve the problem of our mortality. It merely changes our perspective to not think about it. Salvation in this life, not the next, like Stoicism. Even Buddhism is about salvation in the next life. In a daydream, I came to the conclusion that it's not about you, it's about other people. 
I imagined myself as a sickly child, someone who was born with a terminal illness and lived their entire life in the hospital. Mark Rober does parties and fundraisers for kids with illnesses from time to time, and in my daydream, he made a fundraiser for me, not knowing that the illness was terminal. Instead of rejecting his offer, I took the money, but spent it on other kids in the hospital. It was already too late for me, but others still have a chance. They can still live and find out what it means to be truly alive. Personally, thinking about how I'll be forgotten in the end makes me mad depressed. So much like everyone else, I'll stop thinking about it. I won't forget Monumental Mori, remember that you will die. Except I'll be opting to live this life, to create works of art, whether that's programming ideas or writing. So what type of immortality have you chosen? To forget about it and create works of art like myself? To take a leap of faith and believe in a cosmic entity? To subscribe to the modern notion of immortality through money, status and the like? Or to join social justice programs and create immortality through being a part of something greater than yourself? The question this episode is, what do you believe your subconscious is telling you, whether that's through daydreams, dreams or the like? So with that concluding thought, thanks all for listening. If you wanted to send through your answer to my weekly questions or have your own big questions, there's a voice clip link in the description, or send it to thelanguageofmysoul at protonmail.com.